everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Good morning. Thanks for coming. My name is Amos. I'm one of the lead pastors here. That passage that Austin and Vinny just read is maybe not a typical Christmas passage, but did you catch it? The birth of Jesus actually was there right at the beginning. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. This is a cosmic perspective of what is happening both in the birth of Jesus and also in his death. And I'm going to say a little bit more about that on tomorrow's morning Advent reflection. So I just keep that in mind and keep it in mind also as we take communion later in the service during the worship set, because that's a great way to connect to the meaning of communion. Peace was made by his blood shed on the cross. And so today we'll continue in our series, Christmas Spirit. I want you to know that the real spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit. It is God's presence with us. It is not bells and trees and presents. It is the presence of God. God wants to be with us. That is why Jesus comes. That is why Jesus dies. And we're going to do that in a different way. I'm going to be revisiting Daniel. You guys thought we were done with Daniel? Uh, but we're back. There was, I just felt like we weren't done. I, I intended to wrap the Daniel series two weeks ago in Daniel 7. Uh, but today, if you didn't grab a Bible, maybe you'll want to. Uh, we'll be looking at Daniel chapter 10. If we have time, we'll jump to the end in Jan- Daniel 12. Uh, one of the reasons is I did a morning reflection on Daniel 10. And the, the poignancy or the pregnancy, how's that for a little Christmas language metaphor. The pre- like, by pregnancy, I mean there's just something in this passage that is coming, that is not done yet, that will actually, I think, sustain us not just through this season, but through all the seasons of our life. Um, and so anyway, like, let's, let's, like in Colossians, look at something that is cosmic as it relates to the coming of God uh, in this time, but also in a future time where he returns as king. And so would you guys stand with me as I read from Daniel chapter 10? We do this because God is with us and we want to honor him as we read his words. And so uh, let me pray too. So God, come and speak to us today. Fill us with your peace. We need your spirit to produce that fruit in our lives. We can't do it without you. We have tried and we have been frustrated to find peace apart from you. And so as we read your word, may it fill us and sustain us. May you actually meet us here today. Amen. So Daniel chapter 10. I actually want to start in verse 17 here. This is Daniel speaking. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you my Lord, my strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. 
Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength return. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger, and I said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. Let me read the words here once again in verse 19. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged and be strong. You guys can take a seat. How many of you guys watched the game yesterday? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh... So I found myself in a conundrum as the World Cup match between the Netherlands and the American team was played because I wasn't sure who to root for exactly because I'm an American citizen, I'm an American by culture, I have an American passport, I love this country, I I live here, uh, but I'm Dutch. Like my great-great-great-grandparents came over from the Netherlands and I was you know, taught a few Dutch words by my grandma. And every year we'd have this parade and festival called Tulip Time. Have you heard me talk about this before? And I'd wear Dutch costumes. And I like, I paid the price for being Dutch. I had wooden shoes and I'd march in them. And it was just, you know, that's part of the Dutch spirit, you know, like we're going to suffer and that's going to make us stronger, you know, like grit grit our teeth. The wooden shoes have a lot of formational effect on uh, Dutch grittiness. But, But anyway, as the game began... I I appreciated so much, first of all, how the cultural personalities were present on the football field. Did you notice? The Americans just like went for it. They were like aggressive and trying to score from the very beginning. And I'm like, oh, this is going to go, I mean, we're playing on, you know, on the Dutch goal. This is only a matter of time before they score. And then the Dutch would just go tink, 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 goal. Like very efficient. Did anyone else watch this game? Okay. Some of you know what I'm talking about. For others of you, what I'm, what I'm saying here is my heart quickly went to the Dutch before they scored, okay? My heart went to the Dutch even as the Americans were on the attack. And it's, it's because it's part of who I am. That's part of my identity. It's not the only statement that I will make. I am Dutch. I am a dad. I am a pastor. I, you know, there's a lot of I am statements. I am tall. <laughs> uh, you have them too, you have I am statements. It's more than just like where you were born. It's more than just what you do for a living. There are qualities of your character. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as I am an Eagles fan. And you show this identity by doing certain things on Sundays and wearing certain clothes every day of the week. Uh, and and getting, getting ready for the game and having your heart affected by the game, Right? And so with all these competing identities, there is a reminder here in Daniel chapter 10 that the foundation of who you are is that you are precious to God. And that's the main idea that I want you to leave with today. And we'll unpack that as we go through Daniel chapter 10. So let's, uh, let's start in... If you just flip the page over, if you had your Bibles open to page 909, um, we'll, start, well, we'll start in verse 1. Why not? 
It says, in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. And I just, uh, I want to pause there to remind you kind of where we are in history. The Babylonians had taken uh, captives from Jerusalem. First of all, like the princes and the nobles, so to speak, uh, the, the higher classes, and they were going to brainwash them to become good Babylonian citizens. But Daniel finds a way to be faithful to God while serving the Babylonian city and kingdom. Like he, he maintained his values and his beliefs while showing love to the people who had taken him captive. Uh, almost like in the words of Jesus, he found a way to love his enemies despite their overt attempts to assimilate him and abandon Daniel's, like to have Daniel abandon his faith in God, his trust in the God of Israel. Uh, what we find Many hundred years later, in Matthew chapter, is it one or two, we have people coming to visit the newborn king. So imagine in your minds a nativity scene. Who's there? Who's in the nativity scene? Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, animals, some Three kings. Are there three kings that come? We three kings. So the Greek here, of course, is magois. Of course. <laughs> uh, magi is, is, or wise men, is actually a more literal translation. Don't forget that there were shepherds, but th- we're not talking about them today. Maybe. Uh, the magi come from the east. And it's very possible, I learned this this week, that they are, uh, they are like in the line of thinking of the Persian magicians who Daniel interacts with, if you remember, like as he's thrown into the lion's den, there's this group of uh, people who interpret dreams, who look to the stars, who try to understand what the future will be based on what you might call magic arts. And this was a hereditary class of people. And so like, to be a to be a magician in Persia, you had to come from a line of magicians. So it's very upsetting to these people when Daniel is promoted to be their boss. Do you remember this? Like kind of as the stories have been unfolding the last several weeks. So so Daniel has influence even though he's not liked. It's very possible that it is Daniel who brings a few of the Hebrew scriptures or some of Daniel's writings in particular get read by these magicians hundreds of years later who then come to a particular place, Judea, looking for a newborn king, the king of the Jews, they say they're looking for. So it could be that like, what we read here in Daniel gets passed down from generation to generation to these magi that then come to meet the, like, the object of Daniel's hope. Pretty cool, right? I mean, I think it's cool, but I'm kind of a nerd. So anyway, let's keep reading. It says says in verse 2, When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat, 
or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. I think this is pretty, uh, again, important to note. Sometimes we think that following Jesus is always happy clappy, and that like life is going to always go up and to the right. And you find here Daniel like pretty upset and disturbed. He's he's mourning. I think it's likely that it's because of the vision that he received from God, a vision of the future, which again, by the way, as people who live in the 21st century, we kind of think like culture is always going to go up and to the right, like better and better. It's because probably of the iPhone that comes out every year. Every year, uh, Tim Cook says, this is the best iPhone ever made. And I think, I hope so. Otherwise, why didn't you just keep selling the old one? But anyway... <laughs> like, like Daniel's vision of the future is not that the world is going to be like getting better and better, but that actually even as God is faithful to his people, the world spirals a bit. Like things get worse and things get better and things get worse and things get better. And there's this dynamic reality that there is both joy and pain that we will face in life. And this is the kind of joy and pain that will like started before our lives began and will go on after. Like our children will also see the rise and fall of cultures and not only see progress, but also regress. And so remember that even through this, that God is at the like center of history and he's in control. And I, I also appreciate that Daniel doesn't like, he actually abstains from wine, doesn't go to wine to help medicate his like sadness. But let's, uh, let's move on to verse 4. On April 23, it says, As I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem, and his face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. So if you're really quick, uh, you can jump over to Revelation chapter 1. I didn't put the page number up there, but it's page 1321. Otherwise, I'll just read it to you. This, this description should remind you of somebody. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, John, the friend and disciple of Jesus, says, is having a vision similar to like Daniel is. He says, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, "'Don't be afraid.'" I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. 
So in Revelation, this is clearly Jesus speaking. In the book of Daniel, it's not as clear that it's Jesus. It may be biblical scholars across all of history. I read one of the early church, I read the early church fathers, and they didn't say definitively, or they were in debate over whether the, the messenger in Daniel 10 is Jesus or whether this is an angel. But I think the distinction doesn't really affect the words that are spoken because it's either Jesus himself in this cosmic view that Revelation gives of him, or it's an angel speaking God's words. And so whatever's going on, it's supernatural, it's glorious. At some level, this being either is emanating the glory of God because it is God, or it's an angel that like is made and shows up as if Jesus himself is present to Daniel. And so again, as we prepare for Christmas, there's a lot of, you know, thoughts about Jesus the baby. But remember, if you peel back the curtain, if you put on supernatural eyes, there's so much more than an infant in a manger. There is the fullness of God finding pleasure to rest in the person of Jesus and to be with his people. And so it says in verse 7, Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and laid there with my face to the ground. Just then, a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, but I was still trembling. So before the vision starts, Daniel is upset, maybe scared, certainly anxious, full of grief. And then the vision starts, and now he's more upset. Like he's, he's, he was afraid of something, perhaps the, like, the fall of the civilization that he was a part of. And then he comes into the presence of one who shines like Jesus with eyes of fire. And now he's more afraid. And that's actually, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to find someone with whom you find like more power than the things like in front of you that seem so daunting and unsurmountable. And that is, that is God. God is the one with more power. And he is the one who is worthy to be feared. And he is the one when you fear. And I don't even mean like, oh, I'm afraid, even though Daniel here is clearly afraid. It is an awe that overwhelms him. And this person, unlike the forces that are causing you anxiety in your own life, like he loves you perfectly and completely and forever. And he says to Daniel, and he says to you, you are very precious to God. And so I said before that there are different identities that we can assume uh, for ourselves and I know that there are things that have been spoken to you by others 
or perhaps you've spoken to yourself, or perhaps even it has been uh, like a little satanic voice in your ear spinning the reality of who you are. So instead of finding who you are in the fact that you are precious to God, you go back to that thing that your dad said to you. Maybe it's been 20 years ago, maybe it was 20 minutes ago, and it was a put down, and it was shaming. Or maybe it was a boss, or maybe it was a client who was unhappy with the service that you provided, and so in their reaction, in their aggression, in their own pain, they said something and it stuck with you. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm slow. I'm ugly. I'm lazy. Like the, these things that were said have found a place in your own mind and in your own heart. And you, you're like, if you're like me, you're like a tough guy. You're like, no, nah, that stuff doesn't bother me. Except for you find yourself in those quiet moments hearing those words. I'm going to be all alone. Everyone will abandon me. There's this, there's this terrible thing that happens when uh, an awful deed is done. So often the person who receives the trauma or receives the abuse, abuse believes that they deserved it. And that is so false. What is true is that you are very precious to God. And so I want to, uh, me, for me to say it has like this much impact because you all know it. What I want to happen today is I want Jesus to say it to you. And so I just, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine that you're in a room. This might be a room of comfort. This might be in your home. It might be in the place where the words were said. It might be in the place, if you trace like what you're anxious about right now, you can usually trace it back to a person or to a, to a situation. But I want you to imagine that you're somewhere, perhaps in a place where somebody has spoken accusation against you, where someone has been critical of you and said words or called you names. Can you imagine that Jesus is in that place too? Give it a try. Where is he? What does his face look like? And what does he want to say to you? If you felt like you saw something or heard something in your mind or in your heart, this is the Holy Spirit. We've invited Jesus to speak. And I know like our own thoughts can get confused and sometimes the more you analyze it, the more it gets 
mixed up. But like, let's just trust that if the words that were spoken line up with the character of God, sound like Jesus saying, you are precious to me, that these are God's words for you today. Amen. How many people feel like Jesus said something to them? Yeah. If you, if you didn't, I don't want you to think of this as a failure. Like God wants to meet you. God meets us all differently in different ways at different times. The way I experience God today is not the same way that I experienced God 10 years ago. And it's definitely not the same way that Allison experiences or hears from God. I found like an old notebook with some like journaling prayer I had done. And I just think, wow, I'm, I'm so glad that I have this to see how God was speaking to me 10 years ago <laughs> in a moment when I wasn't sure what my future was going to look like. And so maybe the encouragement to you today is to, like, as you pray, do some listening. And if you're a little ADD like me, to uh, slow yourself down and focus by writing out what your prayers are and what you feel like God is saying. Uh, that's, <clears throat> that's really where this passage ends up going, uh, that God is listening that God is present, but let's, uh, let's just, we'll see how far we get. We are in verse 12. Then this supernatural being says, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your requests have been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now that is, I do not understand exactly what's going on in this passage. Um, what does who, clearly there's a there's a king of Persia that's Cyrus right now or is it Darius I forget Cyrus um, but there's also a spiritual being that's having influence over this empire and it's simply a reminder to us to not be naive to the spiritual realm and it's it's not something that we can fully understand or grasp but like there's a like it seems like there's a spiritual power assigned to like the empire of persia and so maybe it is also true that there is a an evil spiritual power assigned to this country or assigned to this city and there's a battle going on uh, that that is happening behind the curtain but if that's true it's also true like uh, in this case uh the people of God have angels fighting on their behalf and a God who is all-powerful, who comes to their rescue, a God who wants to be with his people. And so even though the spiritual battle can be scary, 
we also stand firm in our identity that we are precious to God and look to our hope, the one who holds the stars in his hands. Verse 15. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. And then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth, and I began to speak. And I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision. I have seen my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged and be strong. This word peace, as some of you know, is the Hebrew word shalom. And it has something to do with the idea of feeling peace, like the opposite of anxiety, but it has a lot more to do than that. This is talking about holistic harmony, a world and a life that operates as God designed or intended it to. And so when the angels appear to the shepherds in Luke, what do they say? Do not be afraid. Peace on earth. Very similar to what this messenger is saying to Daniel. And it's it's about feeling encouraged and strengthened in a moment of pain for Daniel, but also a reminder of the hope that's coming. And that Jesus, for us, as Austin and Vinnie read, is the Prince of Peace. Starting in the next paragraph. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and I said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. And then um, the messenger, supernatural being, goes on to kind of, again, replay the visions that sound a lot like the visions Daniel has had, but in this now he has a companion to not only understand, but to strengthen him as he sees these glimpses of a, of a fairly frightening future. And so I want to land on this. At this time, by this time, during the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel is an old man. He has been fighting the good fight. He has been faithful. He has served God and the, the kingdom for decades. And even after all that endurance, it is not he himself that can pick himself up. He needs the voice of God. He needs the presence of Jesus. He needs the presence of God, the words of God. It is the same thing that sustained him from the time he was a young man. It didn't change. And so however old you are, however long you've been following Jesus, maybe it's a month, maybe it's 50 years, you need the same thing that drew you in when it all started. 
the person of Jesus, the voice of God, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So why don't you guys stand? We invite God's Spirit to come as the worship team comes up. Come Holy Spirit. Meet us now. As we sing, we recognize that you are a God who has come near. That you came because we are precious to you. And you sent your son to die because we are precious to you. And you have prepared a place for us in eternity because we are precious to you. And so today, give us a vision of your glory but fill us also with your peace and give us the strength we need. So speak to us. Meet us. And pour out your peace. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.